I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the book of 2 Timothy. We will continue our study in 2 Timothy. Last week we looked at Psalm 19. If you missed that, I want to just encourage you to go to our website, BibleFellowshipSumpter.com. Look for the Messages tab. All of our messages that we preach and teach are on there, as well as if you have a smartphone, you can get those on uh, your different apps, and so make sure to see me. If you've got Android, there's an app for that. iPhone, there's an app for that, and so you can uh, get those without having to go to the website or if you want to share a link. But also as we preach and teach through a series like Second Timothy, as we go through a study of the book of Psalms, all of those messages are what we call series, and so the series have their own pages. So if you're interested in just hearing other messages from, for example, the Second Timothy series, then you can go online and you can hear the other messages, especially if you've missed one or you were out of town. And so this morning I want to invite you, let's look at Second uh, Timothy chapter 1. We're continuing to unpack that. We're going to look this morning at verses 9 through 11. But before we look at verses 9 through 11, we need to remember back where we were two weeks ago where we looked at verse 8. And there we find... Uh, well, here as we look and as we study the book of 2 Timothy, we see a book where the Apostle Paul is writing his final correspondence. Some think that it was being dictated by others, but still it's, it's being shared from Paul to his protege, to his, uh, to his fellow co-laborer of the gospel, Timothy, who is a younger man, as you've heard me say in, in times and messages past, that we need three people in our lives. We need a Paul. We need someone who's older than us, who's been down the road ahead of us, who's learned some things, who's seen some things, who has some wisdom. Typically, wisdom comes with gray hair, but not always, right? And so sometimes you might say, oh, they have gray hair. They're pretty wise. I don't know. You might have met some people, and maybe they aren't so wise because they got gray hair. They just turn gray early. I don't know. But anywho, uh, Paul, a Timothy, who's a Timothy in your life? Who's that young man, young woman that you are taking what you've learned from Jesus, what you've learned as you walk with Christ, and you're sharing it with them, and you're giving them Scripture, you're telling them, pointing them to God, you're praying with them, you're encouraging them. And then also that Barnabas, who is that person that you can pick up the phone when you're down and out, that you can call, you can say, look, I need you to pray for me. Can you give me a word of encouragement? Will you just listen? You need a Barnabas in your life as well. And so two weeks ago we looked at verse 8 where Timothy is, where Paul is telling Timothy, he says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. We said that message that Jesus took the suffering and shame that was meant for you, that was meant for me on the cross so that we wouldn't, have to. Amen. That's what the power of the cross, that's what the power of the gospel does. But can I remind you, as we said two weeks ago, that Paul's invitation to suffer is a sober reminder of what it means to truly follow Jesus. You see, friends, we live in a day and time that we live in, it's a prosperity gospel. You know, God is, you know, the God of health, wealth, and prosperity, and if you just follow Jesus, you're not going to have any problems, and your bank account's going to be full. And oh, by the way, if you'll send your check and your money so that I can buy a new jet so that I can do more ministry. That's the kind of people that we have preaching and teaching the gospel. There are false prophets, and they need to be called out, such as Joel Osteen. There are men and women that are prosperity gospel preachers and 
They're preaching a false gospel. Here we see that Timothy was timid. He was afraid. He's ministering in a time and a place that is uh, the princess of, sorry, the temple of Diana. It's just sin city. And so Paul, who's in chains, getting ready to die, is is writing to Timothy, and he's encouraging, listen, you're going to suffer, but you suffer through the power of the gospel. And so he's spurring him on. He's spurring us on. So I want you to look with me this morning at 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. You'll find these similar words. God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, a holy life, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which has been manifest through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that it is through the gospel that we are saved. Lord, it is through the gospel that we can suffer knowing that you are almighty, you're all-knowing, you're all-powerful. So, Father, I pray now as we unpack the truths of this particular passage, help us to see you more clearly. Help us to understand the gospel. Help us to never forget being saved and what it means to be saved through the shed blood of Christ and Christ alone. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. You see, verses 9 and 10 are likely an early hymn of confession. And Paul, again, as we see from verses 8, kind of lynching this together, verses 9 through 11, Paul is reminding Timothy of the power of God. Now, a lot of times when I'm studying, I'm preparing uh, here lately, I, I've, I've noticed this, and I, I look for kind of key words that the Spirit gives me, but I've actually started writing them out. And I just want to share with you a few of the key words that we see here in this passage. Saved. Called. Purpose, grace, Jesus, abolished death, life, gospel, and suffer. You see, friends, it is through the gospel that you have been saved. And it is through the gospel that there is hope in your suffering. This morning's message is entitled, Through the Gospel. You know, I also was writing down, well, what else could be the title of this message? And I wrote in my notes, Save to Suffer. Oh, that's not really, that's the truth. But really, as we look at this morning's message, it is that we are empowered, that we are not only saved, but there is hope through the gospel. Now look with me as we look at this. So, Verse 9 says, God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. He's calling us to a holy life. God, through Jesus, Jesus is the one who saved us, and God is calling us. So not only is, has he called us, has he saved us, but we are to see that we are called to a holy 
life, to a holy calling. And then Paul tells Timothy, he tells us, it's not because of what? It's not because of our works, but because of his purpose and grace. You see, friends, I want you to get a picture. If you haven't understood, as we sang this morning, about God's amazing grace, it is truly amazing. It is powerful. It is changing. But as we've said over and over, time and time again, God did not just save you for it to be a means and an end to itself, but He saved you to be a conduit through whom His glorious, life-changing gospel would flow to others. He saved you to be a vessel of hope and encouragement. So not only did He save us, not only has He called us to a holy calling, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done. And it's all because of his purpose and because of his grace. So I want you to begin to think, if you don't know, friends, you have a purpose. You have a purpose. God created each and every one of you for a purpose. There's a reason that you're alive. There will be times in your life that you go through and you don't understand, God, what, what is my purpose right now? Why, why am I going through this? Why did you create me for this? Why did you put me in this situation? Why am I in this season? But we must remember that it's, he's calling us to a holy life. And when we are sanctified, we are set apart. We're set apart, and he's going to make us more like Jesus. So I hope that you understand the purpose of which he has made you. Then we see that Paul goes on to say, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which has been manifest through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So in that particular verse, Christ has abolished death. He has brought life and immortality to light. In my notes, I began where it says to light. I wrote these little things that make it look bright, right? That there's rays of, of light coming from that because Jesus says what? Well, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the light of the world. And so he's come to bring those things to light. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty five. Oh, death, where is your sting? What's the rest of that verse say? My mind went blank. First Corinthians fifteen fifty-five. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? Can I remind you this morning here that Christ has abolished death, but death means something altogether different for a child of God? Christ has made it of no effect. He did not eliminate death. But what death means and what death does and what death accomplishes is no more. Paul here is speaking not of a physical death, but a, a spiritual death. That because of Christ Jesus, there will be no separation from God. So not only has Christ abolished death, but he has brought life. And as Jesus tells us in the Gospels, he's come to bring life and life that we may have it 
abundantly. Not that we may live the abundant life with riches and things that are wood, hay, and stubble, but He came so that through Him we might have life, that we might have life abundantly. It's not the prosperity gospel. It is Christ. And then, it's, then we're told that not only has He brought life, but He has brought immortality to life. He, there is life without death. Through Jesus, there is life without death. You do not have to experience eternity without the Lord, without Jesus, because of Jesus. As I was studying, and as you'll see in your bulletin, there are some um, other passages that you're called to uh, look at for further study. And I just want to um, look at a couple of those really quickly. And so, first and foremost, I want you to turn over to the book of Ephesians. So, Galatians and Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13, I'm sorry, verses 3 and following falls under the heading of spiritual blessings in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of His will. There's that word again, that we have a purpose. There, your life, there is a purpose. Verse 6, To the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and on earth. Verse 11, In Him, in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of of his glory. Then in chapter 2, Paul tells us in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Through the gospel we are saved. Through the gospel we are made whole. Think about this too, as, as I was studying, one of the words of theology is sanctification. Sanctification, so as we think about that we are called, that we are saved, that we are called to a holy calling, a holy life, that is a life of sanctification. What is sanctification? Sanctification is God's cleansing process to make us whole and to make us like Jesus. 
it affects our character and it affects our conduct. In essence, to be sanctified is to be set apart. God has called you and He has set you apart. And it begins when one becomes a Christian and it concludes when Jesus returns or we go to be with Him. So just a few other quick notes as we preach through this particular passage. I want to remind you that God knows the end from the beginning. As we learned in Ephesians, he, He's called you before the foundation of the world. We, we mentioned this notion of immortality. It's really incorruptibility. You see, our present bodies are corruptible. They are dying, and there is decay. But salvation is God's call to a holy, set-apart life, a life characterized by incorruptibility and light. 1 Peter 3.18, Christ suffered righteous for unrighteous to bring us to God. That is the gospel, friends. And as we think this morning about the gospel, I want to ask you, do you understand the gospel? Can you share the gospel? And I really have to say that I wrestled with that. How do you explain the gospel? How do you wrap your mind around that? It is the work of Christ. And you know what I began to read? I began to pray, and at the very last minute, I stumbled on this. The gospel in six Words, God, our sin, paying everyone's life. Six words, God, our sin, paying everyone's life. Each of the beginning of those words spell the gospel. God created us to be with Him. We see that in Genesis chapter 1. The other thing I'll have to do is I'll have to share this with you because in these six words and in these six statements that I'm about to read, it was amazing to me that they lumped together all 66 books of the Bible and kind of broke it into these six sections. So first is that God created us to be with Him. Then we see in Genesis chapter 3 that our sins separate us from God. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. That bears repeating. Sin cannot be removed by good deeds. You, my friend, can never earn your salvation. You can never work hard enough. You, there will always be a deficit. You will always be in the negative. You will always be in the red. For those in the accounting world, to be in the red is not a good thing. But as a child of God, to be in the red, to be under the blood of Christ is a good thing. And so it's through Christ and Christ alone, it's through His death and resurrection that we are made whole. There, paying 
Christ paying the price for sins. Jesus died and rose again. If you remember nothing else about the gospel, that's what it is. It's the work of Christ that he died and that he rose again. That in itself is the gospel. So Jesus paying the price for our sins died and rose again. Everyone, everyone who trusts in Christ alone has eternal life in heaven. You see, friends, each of us has eternal life. And you might have heard people preach and teach about that all your life. You have eternal life. It's either in one of two places. It's in heaven or hell because there is a literal heaven and there is a literal hell. And so if you just say, oh, I got eternal life, well, that's, yeah, we all have eternal life. But where will you spend eternity? Will you look to Christ and his shed blood? Are you still trying to look to your works and that you're a good person because you will never be good enough? So everyone who trusts in Christ alone has eternal life in heaven. He has been made whole. He has been made new. He has been made right. He has been brought into correct fellowship with our Heavenly Father. And you see, friends, the gospel, life. Life with Jesus starts now and it lasts forever. God, our sin, paying everyone life. That is Jesus' work and mission in six words. We, we talked this morning of this grace, right? It's not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and his grace. Can I remind you this morning that the grace of God is God's redemptive blessing through Jesus for those who do not deserve it? You know, I heard a pastor tell a story this week as I was listening to a message. And he just began to share example after example after example of those who don't, in our eyes, deserve life. Deserve the gospel. But those are exactly who Christ died for. No one is too far gone that they cannot be saved by God's grace. God's grace, it is God's favor. Grace is God's free and undeserved love that never quits. God's grace is a gift, and God's grace is free. Friends, can I remind you this morning that God loves you? God chose you. God sent His Son to die for you. All you must do is simply believe and accept His offer. And I ask you this question this morning. Have you ever, for those of you that would tell me this morning that I am a child of God, that I am saved, I am redeemed, what saves you? How are you saved? You know that it is through Christ and Christ alone, through His shed blood, through who He came to be, that He died and that He rose again. As we baptize people and we say that, that Jesus is Lord, only those who know Christ, only those who are children of God can say Jesus is Lord. And we ask people, what's your public profession of faith? It is 
that Jesus is Lord. So I ask you this morning, have you ever gotten over being saved? We sang about this morning, His grace is amazing. But have you become so just burdened? Have you become so jaded that you have forgot what salvation is really all about? That at your worst, Christ came to suffer and to die for you. And he didn't just come so that you could get your hell insurance and go live any kind of way and talk and do any kind of way. He came so that he might be the way. That he would lead you to life. See, friends, we talked about this morning through the gospel. Through the gospel, we have been saved. Through the gospel, we have been called. Through the gospel, we have purpose. Through the gospel, you no longer have to fear death. Through the gospel, you have a relationship with God. You can have a relationship with God. Through the gospel, you can share God's plan of salvation. Through the gospel, you have been made new. Through the gospel, you have been made whole. Have you gotten over being saved? Can I ask you this morning, those on the phone, those in the sanctuary, are you saved? Have you ever trusted in Christ and Christ alone? You're never too old. You're never too young to make that decision. I've seen it in my life that there are precious saints in their 70s, 80s, who were saved because they were living a life of good works and they didn't understand the gospel. They didn't understand what Jesus had really done. And so can I remind you that it doesn't matter how old, how young, it doesn't matter But this morning, do you know, are you saved? God, our sin, paying everyone life. Friends, I want to encourage you this morning, if you're a child of God, that you need to share that. You need to never get over that. There are ways and tools to help you. There's the Romans road to salvation that you can print out, that you can underline in your Bible, and you can walk someone through, and you can turn your Bible around and say, read this verse. Now read this verse. And it steps them out of what it means to be saved. But it's Christ and Christ alone. This morning, I want to ask you this question. I've already asked you, have you gotten over being saved? But are you saved this morning? Now you might say, I'm checking out, Brother Chris. I'm thinking of what's on that buffet when I'm going to get done here. But I just want you to quiet your hearts and quiet your minds for just a moment. God is satisfied with what Christ has done. Are you? God is satisfied of the finished work of Christ on Calvary.
here? Are you satisfied with what Christ has done for you? Let's pray together. Father God, I pray this morning. Lord, I thank you for Paul's reminder that we have been called, that we have been saved to a holy calling, to a holy life. God, it's not by our works. It's not by what I could have done. It's not what any of these people under the sound of my voice could have done. But it is through your grace and it is because of your purpose that you have called them out of darkness into light, into a glorious light that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so, Father, I pray this morning, if there's one here today who doesn't know you, who's never trusted in that shed blood of Christ, that Jesus died, that he rose again, and he suffered for our shame and, and for our suffering that was meant for us on an old rugged cross so that we could be made whole, that we could be made new, that we could have a right relationship again with your Heavenly Father, that there wouldn't have to be sacrifices of incense and, and, and things slaughtered on the altar, but God, the perfect Lamb, was offered. The curtain was torn. The veil was removed so that through Jesus we could come to you. So Father, I pray this morning as we leave this place, help us to reflect. Help us to remember and never get over being saved. But Father, may we ask ourselves as well, Lord, you're satisfied with what Christ has done. Are we? Father, help us to walk in spirit and in truth. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.